Just like the first disciples, teach us to pray should be eagerly and always on the lips of every follower of Jesus. I'm Luke Heisler. This is the Teach Us to Pray podcast. I've been taking another look at the ways I was taught to pray over the past year and a half or so. I'm wanting to continue and deepen that journey for myself and provide a kind of roadmap for others on the way. And so, this is a limited exploration through Christian prayer, where we'll take a look at the different marks of a prayerful life, talking with some friends about what it means to pray until we become prayer. In these conversations, we'll be trying to break prayer down to its most basic form, communion of the mind with God, learning together how to become people marked by the presence of God in both the secret place and the public square. Thanks for listening. Let's dive in. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Um, This week, we've got another sort of bonus episode. Um, Last time, we talked about prayer and discernment and sort of prophecy and prayer. Um, And this time, uh, I had like a weird, impromptu, super surprise, like really grateful for this conversation. Um, A friend of mine was in town that I hadn't seen in a long time. We hung out... um, just the night before we recorded and got to talking about a lot of some of the ideas that I think we talked about in this episode. Um, And I was like, hey, I texted her the next day. I was like, hey, um, do you want to be on my podcast and talk about sort of some of the same things we talked about last night? Um, And so we did. Uh, We sat down, we recorded it. We talk about, her name's Anna, by the way, Anna Whitaker. Um, She and I get to some really, really cool stuff. We talk a lot about Christian mysticism and sort of the wackiness there. And we talk a little bit about some maybe more alternative, I guess, practices of prayer of how going on your morning run can be prayer and uh, just things like that. Um, We also talk about the prayer of creation, um, which is a really cool idea that we both kind of flesh out, I think, for the first time in this episode. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. I'm really excited about this episode. Here we go. Hey there, what's going on, everyone? Um, Welcome back to the podcast. This week, uh, this is like another, well, I guess last week it'll be for for you listening, but it was like a a couple weeks ago for me recording. That's always weird. Anyways, I recorded an episode, a kind of bonus episode about prophecy and discernment, hearing the voice of God, things like that, Um, because I realized halfway through production that I was like, did not talk about those huge parts of prayer. And in the conversation, discovered that, boy, oh boy, are those two things like integral to every aspect of praying. And so that's kind of an important thing to include. But today, I guess this is just going to be like a grab bag episode of like things that I didn't cover. Um, Whoa, who is that? Oh, hello. Who are you? (laughs) Hi. (laughs) 
I'm Anna Whitaker. Hello, Anna Whitaker. Hi, Lucas Heisler. Um, Anna's a friend, an old friend that I haven't seen in like two years. So um, this is really exciting. And we were chatting last night about just a bunch of different stuff. And today I was thinking, I was like, man, I'm really missing out on a lot of different prayer things. And I realized this morning after I'd recorded another episode, I was like, wait, Anna's in town. We can just hang out and like nerd out and talk and record it. And that's an excuse for an episode. Um, anyway, so yeah, we were talking right before about like, oh man, there's so many topics that I think we could dive into and probably will. Um, but just a few of them. I mean, I've been thinking a lot about how creation prays, um, or I guess that creation prays. Um, I've been thinking a lot about how prayer ushers in the eschaton. So it like invites um, the kingdom of God to now, um, even thinking of the Lord's prayer, like how that happens. Um, God prays for us, <laughs> uh, which is cool yeah. uh, now and and forever he has and forever he will. Um, what else were we talking about? Imagination in prayer. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I guess what are some of your thoughts on those All things? Right. Uh, well, to start, I'll say, you know, I was raised conservative, evangelical, mm -hmm. non-denominational. Um, and I very much appreciate that upbringing because I think it was deeply rooted in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've talked about praying the Bible and yeah. what it looks like to, to pray with the psalmist and so forth. Um, and so I, I practiced some of those types of prayer growing up, especially um, some types of prayer that involved journaling um, and writing prayers down. But I think also I had this idea that prayer had to be spontaneous um, and, and not scripted um, because for some reason uh, spontaneity was uh, the place where the Holy Spirit met us. And now I think that that's very true, um, but, but also I've come to recognize that the Holy Spirit can meet us through um, these kind of historic liturgical types of prayer right. as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I recorded about fixed hour prayer and, yeah, and yeah. that sort of world. And I mean, similarly, I grew up very evangelical, conservative, sort mm -hmm. of fundamental Baptist, I guess, um, mm -hmm. which is cool if you're that, you know, and you're listening and you're curious about prayer, welcome. Yeah. Um, but just for me and for like my experience with that, um, really left a bad taste in my mouth and grew up. Yeah with a lot of uh, really, really skewed ways of looking at prayer. And that's what this is, this whole series is, is mm -hmm. kind of exploring the ways in which I've been wrong and am wrong mm -hmm. and will be like wrong um, in what it means to pray. But like I was always told, I said this earlier today, like uh, in the episode um, on Fixed Hour Prayer, I was told that like the rosary and like candles and things, physical stuff that we ascribe mm. symbolic meaning to, like, mm -hmm. that is sin. What? And, like, that invites, like, demonic presence and stuff. Yeah. Oh, I grew up, like, Hot take. wacky conservative. Not just, like, normal conservative right, right, Christian, right. but, like, kind of mm. bonkers. Um, and so that was, like, in me until, like, 11th grade. Mm. And I started thinking critically about it. And I was like, but wait a minute. The tabernacle is adorned with images and with real stuff, with things. Yeah. So why, like the psalmist uses the like stuff around him to 
describe what God is and who God is. Yeah. So why is that bad? Um, and I guess this is leading us toward talking about imagination as it relates to prayer. I think prayer might be the imagination of faith. Um, some people might call faith a hope, like a, a hopeful imagination. I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. I forget who it was. Um, or like an imagination undergirded by hope. I, I can't remember what exactly it is, but something like that. But yeah, I it it's weird for me to think of prayer as an imaginative exercise sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's, there's literally imaginative prayer, like um, imagining yourself sitting across from Jesus yeah. and talking with him. Um, and inviting the Holy Spirit into that space and allowing God to speak to you face to face in your mind's eye. Um, and like, boy, high school Luke would be like, r- is rolling in his grave right now. Um, <laughs> and just like, yeah, I don't know. So I guess what is your experience with specifically, not not specifically imaginative prayer, but like, mm-hmm imaginative prayer you know what I mean like prayer and imagination and things like that yeah that's a great question I think you're touching on something really important here especially as you referenced um the the use of items or um tokens beads uh icons things of that sort in prayer I think that imaginative prayer um can also be deeply physical Mm. in the sense that we we have inherited this tradition, right, like as Protestants, of um, communion with God through words and mm-hmm. through language. And sometimes those things, especially um, in a liturgical sense, can be a bit um, scripted and can also be a little disembodied, mm-hmm. right? Like we are um, we're somehow like retreating into our mind to say these things that have been said over the course of history because mm-hmm. it's how we we like correctly commune with God. I don't know. Um, I I think that liturgy is beautiful and good and can be assisted by like physical objects. And I think that, I think that our physicality helps us to um, enter into a kind of imaginative prayer. Hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I think especially in the sense that, um, and, and this is me being influenced by like, mysticism a little bit. Um, I think that the life of God, I think that, I think that Jesus Christ was fully divine. Mm -hmm. And I also think that he was fully human and as such demonstrated when it looks like to live life with God. Right. Um, And in some way we emulate that. And so Christ's prayer was physical, right? Like it was in the garden of Gethsemane and and he cried out on the cross with the words of the psalmist and so forth and anyway all that to say I think that as we imagine through prayer we're invited into deeper participation in the life of God Mm. which can sometimes look unexpected Mm. Um, and that's the kind of imaginative element right is like we we inherit these traditions and we have these words that we're comfortable with and that are good um, and true and beautiful, but also we've been given the capacity for imagining relationship with God um, in, in new ways as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And I think that like has huge implications for how we imagine life with God with others, 
like, mm-hmm. I mean, we were talking about Bonhoeffer like super briefly right before. I mean, not really. You just mentioned his name. I was like, oh, I love Bonhoeffer. And then that was that. But um, his book, Life Together, is surprisingly profound as it relates to prayer. Um, I was not expecting it. I was expecting a, like a dissection of Christian community. And instead, I got this essentially how to partner with God in prayer for and with people in prayer. Um, and I think specifically, I mean, I talked about this with Dr. Butler, um, specifically prayer, intercessory prayer, petitionary prayer imagines justice and, and then sees it through. Yeah. Um, I mean, Lewis talks about the efficacy of prayer, um, in that like, sometimes God has to say no to our prayers because they are so powerful, which like only the God of the universe can stop our words from bringing about something. Mm. Which, like, when you think of it like that, when you reframe it from only the God of the universe can grant our words from having that power, which is true also. But when you reframe it, like, we become so much more image of God-y yeah. than, like, I am a worm, I am a lowly creature, right. whatever. Right. Like, oh, God, hear my plea. If you, but, but at the same time, who is man that you are mindful of him mm-hmm. is also mm-hmm. true. So there's this tension of like God wants us to voice these bold requests while also like they will happen, but if he says no, they won't happen. I don't know. It's it's super weird to me and really fascinating. Yeah. I think there's a really cool interplay there that you're like picking up on in that um, one thing we mentioned before starting this episode is the prayer of creation. Mm. And um, – Sometimes Old Testament scholars will draw attention to the creation narratives of Genesis as being speech acts in that the words of God are literally bringing things into existence. Mm-hmm. Like God's words create um, in in a way that we can't really understand, mm-hmm. right? But I think that Jesus invites us into a kind of prayer and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we get to we get to emulate that, like our words in a lesser sense because we are human, right. but because we carry the life of God as the people of God, mm-hmm. because we partner with the Holy Spirit, our words have the potential to bring about mm-hmm. a kingdom reality. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, a, a Tim Mackey-ism that I've been using all podcasts to talk about that sort of idea of like when we pray – and this is like, he said this, something like this as a sort of throwaway line. And I repackaged it and made it my own thing. But like when we pray, we are trans- like transforming the, the soil we step on into Eden. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing. No matter how we're praying, no matter if we're doing intercession or fixed hour prayer or contemplation and silence and solitude, interior, exterior, doesn't matter. That's what prayer is doing. It is transforming the world into a place that houses God, I guess. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, because we are housing God and we're expressing that in our prayer, mm-hmm. no matter how we're praying. Um, I think creation's doing a, a similar thing. Like creation, I guess, well, I guess it's both big C creation, whatever, semantics. Um, like creation as in nature and the natural world and mm-hmm. uh, ecological systems and things like that. Like, Paul says that creation is longing for redemption. It's, it's, I, I think it's the same word. If not, it's a similar word to 
um, the spirit discerning like groans deep within us that, that are beyond words um, or below yeah. words or whatever you want. So cre- creation, nature is praying. Oh, yeah. I want to pick up on this. Okay, so I just read a chapter in a book called Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer, mm. um, and she is an indigenous American, um, mm. and she has. there's this chapter called The Grammar of Animism, and she talks about how indigenous languages, specifically the ones she is learning to speak, the language of her people, is it's very verb-heavy. Mm. So it's not... It like relies on the idea that all, all observable animals and plants and the natural world, ca- it carries life. Mm. And English is a very noun-heavy language. Like yeah. we, we have our language is like thirty percent verbs and like seventy percent noun, something like that. It's just yeah. very noun-heavy. We look at this table and we say this is a thing, mm-hmm. and we look at that plant and we say that plant is a thing. And it's we're we're dealing in a world of its. Mm. Um, but Kimmerer makes the point that pre-modern peoples see the world as like infused with life. Mm. And so instead of being in a dominion over things, you're in relationship with mm-hmm. other life carriers. And I think that is the kind of language that we we don't really have minds for like yeah. in modernity because we are so used to seeing the world as a collection of objects and our responsibility is like stewarding these things well right. like caring for creation because it is our responsibility because we are like over it i think we and can and that's like a progressive thought in evangelicalism yeah yeah right, right right but that's like that that would be how creation care is viewed is like through mm-hmm. this lens of um logic and rationality mm-hmm. and reason like but but i think this kind of like enchanted perspective mm-hmm. that's carried through like indigenous language and then also in the language of scripture like look at the psalms and you hear things like the trees of the hill will clap their hands and like the rocks are crying out the hills cry out um the stars you know declare the glory of Mm -hmm. god the skies proclaim the works of his hands like this is living language you know this is it's the idea that creation itself is is crying out because Mm -hmm. in some way that creation carries the life of god and the love of god and like mediates God's presence to us mm. and similarly like as image bearers we are called to to mediate the life of God to creation and with creation I think yes and that has such that like puts how we pray and why we pray into perspective if like we're not the only ones doing it yeah, yeah. Um, also we're just doing this now uh, GK Chesterton has this great bit about uh, which like I like Chesterton, but I quote him with hesitancy sometimes because he was like mm-hmm. a huge nationalist. But also mm-hmm. he's writing like post-war, post-World War One Britain. So how can you not be a nationalist when you just won a world war? <laughs> yeah. So he gets like kind of a pass. <laughs> um, but G.K. Chesterton has this bit about uh, creation as a little sister to us, to humanity. Because it, like – he's kind of writing against the idea that like creation is like, like the like earth mother sort of language. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, no, that's God. Like mm-hmm. God set all of this in motion. God is and is sustaining natural process. Yeah. But that because so, so creation is older than us, mm-hmm. right? 
but whether it's by a day or billions of years is up for debate, Ken Ham. <laughs> um, creation is older than us, yeah, but like the charge for us to like have empathy mm-hmm. and to care for creation, um, it, like have dominion doesn't communicate what is actually happening there. Right. Have dominion doesn't communicate a little sister. Yeah. Um, and he's just trying to do a lot of work. The conclusion he gets to is like, creation is shot through with the divine and like that creation that like shot throughness is our responsibility to raise Mm. Mm. and i'm like chesterton you're way ahead of your time (laughs) uh but also like way behind because like this has been hebraic thought forever um and i think he just put new words to it and Mm. i think like I was thinking about this all summer. Um, does creation bear the image of God? Ooh. You know, like, I think we can only assume that, like, somehow creation bears a mark of the creator. Yeah. I mean, depending, oh, I hate this conversation, like, general revelation, like, <laughs> is that sufficient? Whatever. Um, we're just going to say it is for this conversation, that general revelation is sufficient for salvation or whatever. Um, because I think that it is, but whatever, uh, if it is, and it is, <laughs> how can that happen if God's attributes are not communicated f- through it? Yeah. If God's attributes are, are communicated through it, then it must have some piece of the divine in us mm. in it. Like we do, mm-hmm. like we mm-hmm. have a piece of the divine in us. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm still like thinking about it. Yeah. Some ideas that were like banging around in my head. I really want to write about it, but I don't have the time uh, right now. But like thinking about, okay, so if we are being conformed to the image of Christ is and, and Christ reveals the perfect image of God in us mm-hmm. because of all the naturalistic language surrounding the spirit of God, wind, flowing water, et cetera, et cetera, is clouds, smoke, it goes on, mm-hmm. is the perfect image of God in creation, the Holy Spirit? Ooh. Anyways, that has nothing to do with prayer, I don't well, think. I, I think it does, though. Well, it, like, it, uh, I think, of course, it does, but yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. Maybe not explicitly. I think it does in the sense that I, I love that familial language, and I haven't really heard that before. I don't think Chesterton's mm. idea of creation is little sister. But I think that's that's really important um, because if we are a part of the family of creation, then we are we are joined yeah. when we pray not only by the saints who have gone before us, but also by the the world itself, right. um, the the world that is longing for God, reaching for God, demonstrating God to us, and and among itself as well. Mm. Um, he. Um one huge thing that he does too that I like left out, this is like his main point, is that we're the ones who like hurt her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I guess this rests on like what you think about original sin, but like we marred creation. I think that's evident in the Anthropocene. Like. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, and <laughs> no. like we continue to. Yeah. So th- like that in and of itself, because of this little sister that we are called to care for, like when you think about it like that, deforestation and mass pollution and all these things become so much more personal. 
yeah. and so much heavier and mm-hmm. so much sadder mm-hmm. um, because I think it's a propitiation or no, I think it's a perpetuation of the fall. Like we're continuing wow. to decide to do that. Yeah. Um, the ground was cursed once because of us mm-hmm. and it's cursed again every day because of us. And the refusal to care about the world is a refusal of its prayers. Mm. It's, cr- it's, it's saying that the earth, that creation's crying out to God is like not actually important. And then that's spitting in the face of God when he asks us to care for it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think this goes back to my earlier perhaps convoluted point about physicality in the yeah. sense that like, if we believe that we belong to the community of creation, that in one way or another we are part of the family um, of God, then our prayers are rooted and grounded, like physically, um, in it, because we're made up of matter like we we are stuff yeah Yeah. we are stuff like we are created by god and like when we stand on the grass or in a building i guess or whatever but like (laughs) wherever we stand we are we are like physically communing with god because god has created all that is and because we participate in it and so prayer in that sense i think prayer can't not be physical Mm -hmm. um because we are so deeply intertwined with like the matter of all things, you know, regardless of what you believe about insolment and, mm-hmm. and like dualism versus hylomorphism or like what have you. I, I think that it's, it's undeniable that in some way, like God, God sustains creation and mm-hmm. lives through it. And so when we pray, like we are we're communing with God in mm-hmm. our bodies. Yeah. And yeah. in the created world. And if our prayers actually do inch us closer to the end of everything, mm-hmm. I think they do in a way, right? Then like that's praying in and of itself, whether you're interceding for the earth or not. Because sure. if all prayer is doing that, then praying in and of itself is caring for yes. creation. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think that's what it is. It's like, Prayer enables us to enact the healing work of God in in our own like bodies, mm-hmm. and in our communities, and in creation as well. It is bringing justice to yeah. to things, yeah. um, to stuff, uh-huh. I guess. Um, I hmm. mean, if if our eschatology is reflective of our proto- protology, mm-hmm. or vice versa, you know, like if we think that perfect life with God is that which is uh, revealed through the first, you know, chapter of Genesis, um, then that is what we should be longing for and mm-hmm. and praying for and working toward yeah. um, the the restoration of of God's life in the world through mm-hmm. through the pursuit of justice through the life of Christ and yeah. If you want to really nerd out about that, um, I mean, everyone from. John Mark Comer writing Garden City to Andy Crouch talking about culture and then inadvertently saying 
some of the most profound things I've ever heard about our roles as like artists and gardeners mm-hmm. um, to literally exactly what we're talking about. Have you read any Middleton? Mm-hmm. Oh, you haven't. Okay, well, you're ahead of the curve then. Um, J. Richard Middleton, I mean, writes, this is like his bread and butter. Uh, he's got a book. My introduction to him was a book actually about petition and about mm-hmm. boldly petitioning God. Mm-hmm. Um, but Middleton has a bunch of stuff about... Um, uh, the Garden, and then The Garden Part 2, Electric Boogaloo, um, New Jerusalem and stuff. Um, really, really good stuff about the image of God as well. Um, Dr. Turner put me onto him. Cool. Uh, but, Gotta love JT. Oh, you have to. Um, yeah, I think another thing that, like, creation kind of relates to this idea of prayer and creation and all of that sort of thing. I just did a word study for hermeneutics on um, the Hebrew word for wisdom. We talked about this a little bit last night, but chokmah is the word. Um, It has a very silly transliteration. Um, But yeah, in uh, Exodus 31, somewhere around there, when they're making the tabernacle, um, oh, I'm going to butcher their names. I think it's, um, it's, I know it's Bezalel and then, Aholiab or something are imbued with, wow, are imbued with this artisanal transcendence kind of. And the word for that there is wisdom. Um, And they're given like this raw technical skill in creativity, craftsmanship. um, And it's used to describe people who make things. Um, And then in Deuteronomy 30, 30, somewhere between 30 and like 34, um, Joshua is described with that same raw skill, but it's a little bit different this time. Mm -hmm. It's like a proficiency and an aptitude and like a natural inclination to leadership of people. Um, And then in Proverbs 8, everyone loves Proverbs 8, um, this woman, Sophia, stealing that right from Eugene Peterson, um, is described as like, it's divine wisdom itself personified or herself, I guess, um, as like this beautiful, majestic, stately woman who architects the universe and counsels God and gives wisdom to whoever asks and instructs rulers to rule prudently. And she creates and she delivers the spirit of God to people um, and truly embodies kind of all meanings of this really robust word in the Hebrew language And I think that, like, when we pray, we are tapping into that to create for ourselves the with God life, Mm -hmm. um, to use, I think that's Dallas Willard's language, um, that we, like, we see the with God language all through Genesis. That's the the point of Genesis is what is life with God and what is life without God. Really, that's kind of the point of the Torah. Um, One of them. Uh, Liberation is a big other one. Anyways. um, So like, there's just so much to talk about with Proverbs 8. But I think with Exodus 31, if you take that as like a little case study in what happens when we tap into that like artisanal transcendence, Mm -hmm. I really like that actually. Um, Like, you get this technical dexterity and ability and all ser- all of this season series podcast, whatever you want to call it. I don't really know. Um, it's been coming up that like 
what prayer is for at its base. I mean, prayer is communion of the mind with God. That's what we've been talking about. It's Augustine's definition, not mine. And prayer gives you new eyes, whether it's new spiritual eyes or genuinely, truly new physical eyes to see injustice in the world. Prayer gives you new vision. And so if wisdom is about adopting that new vision in order to excel at the with God life, not because of anything you can do, but because of this ancient woman who is beautiful and compassionate and excited to share with us her attributes, Mm. um, the Holy Spirit and also Jesus and also God the Father. That's just what's happening in Proverbs 8. Anyway, um, like that's, that's what prayer is for, I think, in a lot of ways. And I think it reminded me of that because that happens in Job. Job is like introduced to this woman um, by way of creation hmm. when he's like yelling at God essentially, which is fine to do, by the way. Um, he all of a sudden God takes him up in this tour of everything that there is and Job is left speechless and even still, and this is a hot take, this is my interpretation of Job and people disagree with me here. Um, I think that God's two speeches from Yahweh's two speeches from the whirlwind are not to chastise Job, but I almost said Joe, Job, but to say, hey, like this is the best way I can describe, I think what I feel like is happening. Hey, Job, do you see this giant land creature? And do you see this giant sea creature? Look at how big their mouths are. Look at how like much raw, untamed power there is there. I can control them and I cannot shut you up. Mm-hmm. Like, good job. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you've remained faithful. And also in your protesting and in your questioning, in your doubting, you have remained a faithful and righteous man. Um, and it's presenting a model for how we get to talk to God, um, really is, I think all that, that book is doing that weird, confusing, wacky book of the Bible. Um, but it's wisdom literature and it's Mm -hmm. showing us what happens when we tap into this thing. Um, as is the whole Bible. Uh, I don't know. That was a super tangent. I don't know where that come from, came from. (laughs) I think that was good. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow, you've given me a lot to chew on here. I feel like I, I loved your point about prayer giving us eyes. I think that's so good. I think we are so easily distracted by things that happen to us mm-hmm. in this life and circumstances that we find ourselves in. And just, I mean, like real life stuff that is good, but it can also be hard. And if prayer gives us new eyes, if prayer opens our our ability to see God's work in the world, then those hard things become meaningful. Mm-hmm. And even when we like don't, even when we are distracted, prayer enables us to kind of see through God's eyes in mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. Um, and also like work with God's hands and mm-hmm. and walk with God's feet. Like I think that's what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Yeah. It's like when you're when you're uh designing the temple, 
or like yeah. <laughs> when you are making a podcast, when you're doing your homework, when you are like caring for a friend who's going through mm-hmm. it, when you're trying to be nice to your mom because she's hard to live with. Like prayer enables those moments to become sacred yeah. because because you see them as God does and you see the the godness of those moments. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, and I wonder, I think that's what this word is getting at, this, like, artisanal word for wisdom and creativity and all of the things that it is. Like, these two guys, Betzalel and Oholiab, they're not just carrying out this menial list of tasks because there is a menial list of, list of tasks yeah. in Exodus 31 of like what they need to do. Um, and it's creative tasks, but it's not even fascinating to a creative person like me. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, that sounds like more a gold. laundry list. Yeah, more gold. <laughs> more yeah, wood, right. More gosh. rubies. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's not all they're doing. They're not just like fulfilling this laundry list to make a building. They're wielding the spirit of God literally divine wisdom to fashion a beautiful space, a physical environment that will house God himself. They're, they're making Eden. And so I have to think that maybe these two guys, maybe they know the tabernacle more intimately than even the highest of high priests because, and only because of the wisdom that God allowed, not gave them, allowed them to access. Because I think I talked about scripture as this sort of like permeating thing, current. I told you last night as well, I used a, an analogy that I wish I had when I was talking with Sylvia about it and Lee, um, that like, okay, close your eyes. Imagine the, um, the current from Finding Nemo that the turtles hang out in. Uh, the words of scripture, like the water above the current and like the surface of the water. And then that like current is scripture itself. Um, like scripture is not the, I don't, it's not the physical print. Like I, I'm anyway, um, it's the ideas, it's the truth, it's the wisdom, it's the, the, the transcendent reality that the words of print present to us. Anyways, I think wisdom is the same thing. You know what I mean? I think it's, which is funny because wisdom is, that's what the Bible is. That's what scripture is, is wisdom. Well, I think what you are kind of like working toward in this idea, which I love, is the the distinction between like knowledge versus wisdom is if like you were in a tough situation and I was to say like, well, here's how you solve this problem. You know, like here's the knowledge that I have because like I've been through this. And so like, here's what you should do too. That, that, that is just a kind of knowledge I'm giving to you, like through my words. But I think wisdom is like words infused with this, like the essence, like beyond that, which we can, can condense to the words themselves. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So like, so I think that if scripture is wisdom and if that, if we participate in wisdom through our prayer, Mm -hmm. the words themselves are important, but ultimately aren't like the thing that we're doing. We're not just merely saying Mm -hmm. words. Like we are participating in the essence of the life of God. Right. 
yeah, I think the very fact that like what John is doing in John 1, like he, he doesn't say that the the papyrus scroll of God became flesh. No, right. You know what I mean? He yeah. says the word of God and it's it's the ideas of God. It's the 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 person of the wisdom of God yeah. became flesh and dwelt among us. Not a scroll of of paper and ink and however they wrote. I guess scratching on leather. Um yeah. Hmm. Well, I think these ideas to get back at what you were saying earlier, like this is what this is what imaginative faith looks like. Mm. You know, we are we're we are creatures bound by our creatureliness mm. to a certain extent. Like we are we are we live in certain contexts, historical, geographical, uh, racial, sexual, like we occupy a particular mm-hmm. space and time, and that particularity can sometimes hinder our perspective mm-hmm. because we we yeah. only can sp- can speak from what we've experienced and and know and have learned. But the imagination of faith is that which enables us to see beyond, mm. like to see beyond our circumstances, to understand the universality right. of the wisdom of God. And the the essence of that wisdom through the life of Christ, through the words of the scriptures, through our life together, mm-hmm. um, like I think I think that is imaginative work because, or imaginative faith, but it does take work yeah. because we have to we have to understand our both our capacity for experiencing God mm-hmm. and also our limitedness. as like embodied human beings yeah it's a weird oh man yeah in our uh episode on the contemplative tradition we talked about our limit the limited limitedness that was hard to say of our souls Mm. um except that it's not though (laughs) like our whole soul can house the whole of god himself the whole of the trinity resides within us not just holy spirit um but yet we're so bound by I mean, what you're saying like right. we're so limited but so limitless at the same time and it's yeah. uh martin laird is my current favorite contemplative he wrote a, an amazing book called into the silent land um and then he has two other ones uh an ocean of light and then one other one, but it's okay. Um, I can't remember it. Um, he talks about how the divine is at the ground of our being mm-hmm. and then it works up. The divine is not something floating around inside of one part of us that kind of permeates the rest of us. And then if we're lucky on a good day, we'll like be shown to those around us. Sure. No, it's like defines you and it, it, it you become it. Mm-hmm in a real way, like the renewing of our hearts and our minds to be conformed to the image of Christ is not this like sexy phrase that Paul is using. It's like the reality that happens to Christians through Christian practice. Like when you do the things of God, you become a thing of God's. Hmm. 
more and more. And prayer is the most direct avenue to that. Yeah. Yeah. uh, We talked a little bit about this, but like in Romans 8, when it talks about creation itself groaning and creation itself, like praying, Paul says it suffers the pains of labor. Um, And and he says in Romans 8, 23, not only the creation, but we ourselves groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Like, it's the I, same groaning, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's the same groaning, and then also, uh, to your point, like, I think the renewing of our minds is not just about like accepting right belief. Yeah. Like, it's not just about um, saying saying a certain prayer. Mm-hmm. It's about recognizing that all of life has the potential to be prayer, mm-hmm. and like because God is the ground of our being and and we are we can have access to that mm-hmm. we are still we're still we're still groaning like mm-hmm. because because we want so badly to experience it all the time yeah. but but we're human still uh-huh. like and and creation is hindered by by humanity's destruction of it by sin um, just as we are impacted by sin. So I, like, I think that the, I think I'm a little like mystical in that way. (laughs) And then I think, I don't think when Paul talks about like the flesh versus the spirit, he's saying your body itself is bad and like your spirit, meaning your soul, the like disembodied thing is good. I don't think it's that, I don't think it's that easy. I don't think that distinction is encapsulates everything he's trying to get at. I think it's about the fact that, like, we are both limitless but also limited. Mm, yeah. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. It's. I think it comes down to, like, I know what I ought to do, but I do not do it. Right. I do the things that I hate doing. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Um, like, like, we have the invitation and the ability to pray continually. Like, right? right? Like, that's what's extended to us is look at the life of Christ. Look at what has been like demonstrated to you and and laid forth before you as what it looks like to live life with God in this perfect, beautiful, healing, um, justice-seeking way. Like that's the invitation that's extended to us, but we choose to yeah, right. Go not live way. into that. Yeah. Like, yeah, that that's like Eat something. Of the fruit. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's something that's so beautiful. And that, that is something that prayer enables us to, like, tap mm-hmm. into. And so we should and can be praying continually. Mm-hmm. Like, insofar as we seek to to view the world through the eyes of God, yeah. to live, to demonstrate the life of God in the world. Yeah. But, but we don't. Right. We don't do that all the time. Yeah. I mean, to continue all of the creation language, like, maybe prayer is walking with God in the cool of the day. You know, and like, mm-hmm. uh, hmm. Penny and Sparrow has a song about that. I love Penny and Sparrow. <laughs> oh, they're so good. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to do. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> it's so hard. It's so hard. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. I think when I say like we get distracted, yeah. you know, is because 
because it it takes imagination mm-hmm. to view the world in this way and not just to like go about our everyday lives and say, you know, I'm getting a job so I can make money mm-hmm. so I can contribute to my re- retirement account so that I can like live a nice cushy life in my 60s till whenever. Right. You know, like that that I think is the pattern of this world. Yeah. And I and when Paul says do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, mm. he's saying you have the capacity to experience God's life. You have the the ability to partner with the Holy Spirit mm. in in bringing about the kingdom of God in this world. Yeah. Um, but it's but we do the things that we like. We yeah, don't want right. to. You know, like it's so easy to get caught up in mm-hmm. consumerism and capitalism mm-hmm. and nationalism and all these isms. You know. Yeah. Um, instead of instead of recognizing that. Prayer enables us to to see beyond, to live beyond, to, yeah, but also like deeply within. Yeah, in and not of. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it, it it does truly invite us into so much freedom from like mm-hmm. all of the pressures of everything oh, yeah. around us. Yeah. Um. Well, that's that's yeah. liberatory, right? Mm-hmm. Like to get back at your point mm-hmm. about the Torah. Like if if life with God, if covenant is about um, relationship that enables freedom from mm-hmm. oppression, mm-hmm. like leading out of sla- leading us out of slavery, slavery, like that is yeah, that's li- prayer is like liberatory mm-hmm. because we are so easily enslaved to yeah so many things, and we see that with like um, truly uh, Henry Nowen talked about this I think maybe first because he was writing right at the beginning of when uh, this was all heating up but then like people now like Dallas Willard, Eugene Peterson, John Mark Comer, Rich Viodas kind of have picked up on some of his ideas and really expanded them on the fact that like well I mean at Walter Brueggemann Sabbath mm-hmm. as Resistance um, is like a brilliant little book um Sabbath is prayer. That's another conversation. But it's also baked into the one we're having about creation. Mm. Um, do with that what you will. Like um, on yeah. the seventh day, was God mm-hmm. enjoying creation? Like... Oh, which is prayer. That's prayer. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> uh, because, oh, man, if creation prays, uh-huh. which I think we've gotten to a point now that we can say that it does. Yeah. Um, like we've done the work here. <laughs> creation prays. Prayer is our relation to God in language, whether it's internal language that is silent or external expressed language. That's how Eugene Peterson talks about it. Um, and, and God languages and relates back to us. Mm-hmm. If that's prayer, communion of the mind with God, mm-hmm. as Augustine says, then on the seventh day, God rested and enjoyed his, right, enjoys his creation. That's what that is talking about. He's like, man, look at this. Cool. Then not just Adam and Eve are praying, but Mm -hmm. everything is praying together. Mm -hmm. Um, And God prays for us. Um, But like the contemplative tradition, Henry Nouwen and all those guys are listed, are tapping into that as this sort of tool, this weapon. I don't like that word because I don't like weapons, but (laughs) a weapon uh, against like, the lie of hurry and of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
needing to accomplish and of needing to consume and of all these things. Um, Henry Nouwen in this book I read uh, uh, that he wrote about prayer. uh, No, it wasn't Nouwen. It was Merton. Of course it was Merton. In contemplative prayer talks about there's billboards now. That's super weird. Uh, let's not buy into those, guys. <laughs> like just as a aside, yeah, as he's yeah, talking right, about this right. deeply Eastern mystic practice, he's like, uh-huh. there's billboards now. Um, and Henry Nouwen, similarly in The Way of the Heart, is talking about like there, everything is calling for your attention. Literally everything mm-hmm. is calling for your attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he talks about Times Square mm-hmm. and how going to Times Square is like living every day. Um, especially for us now, yeah. like there's no way that we can escape advertisements. I'm, t- right. I'm telling Literally. you, try to escape an advertisement. I have a Kindle, which is for reading Ugh. and it still has advertisements. Literally try to drive to the woods for silence and solitude <laughs> without seeing an advertisement. It's impossible. You can't Your do maps it. app is going to be like, hey, Burger King's on your By way. By the way. Yeah. yeah. So like these ideas are being planted in your head. What better way to combat that, to combat mm-hmm. the the pushing and pulling this tension for your attention, mm-hmm. what better way to combat that than to just still, d- calm and quiet, yeah. everything within you? Um, yeah. I think Christ demonstrated that resistance like in the face of Pilate, you know? Mm. Like, Ooh, yeah. In, in that silence, everybody around him was like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you know, tell him who you are. Like, do your thing, Jesus. Like, you're literally God. But he he resisted, like, through silence. And, and it's a humble silence. Yeah. Because he could have flexed and been like, right. hey, I'm God, by the way. Yep. Um, Again, so, like, even if we have that same capacity, like, we have the ability to tap into mm. – to – we have the ability to communion with God. Sometimes resistance does look like rest. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't always look like what we think it will. Sometimes prayer is not like the Pharisees shouting on the street corner. You right. know, it's like going into your closet, being quiet. I'm sure you talked about this in your contemplation episode. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but I think that's good. I think you're, um, you're touching on, have you ever read any Wendell Berry? Yes. <laughs> Jaber Crow. Tears. I've actually never read you. It's so good. It's like his most well-known novel. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm usually not the guy to read the most well-known novel. That's really good. He has Um, he has a lot of a lot of stuff. He spilled a lot of ink. Uh, Continuous Harmony is like my favorite. It's his like collection of essays. Think Little's in there if you've read that one. Have you read Health Is Wholeness? No, it's in his Art of the Commonplace collection of essays. He talks about how how disease like disease is mm. um Ooh. i know right and that hyphen in there really <laughs> transforms the whole thing um disease is the the state of like sin is lack sin is like is that which um like the hope of god is restoration to wholeness because mm the healing ministry of Christ is not always focused on like the physical healing. It is sometimes, but more often than not, what he's doing is he's inviting these people. He's healing into fullness of life. Like he's forgiving their sins. He's yeah. Yeah. You know, but I think of the, the, 
guy who is lower down through the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and in front of everybody, Jesus says, good job, man. Because of the faith of your friends, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> yeah. And what was going through that guy's head that he's like, are you kidding me? And he didn't say anything, yeah. but everyone else did. Yeah. 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 Barry gets at the fact that, you know, like a lot Barry's huge on the fact that we're like distracted all the time. I mean, the man doesn't own a computer. Like he, he's straight up writing with a pen and pencil. He's committed. I'll give him that. Um, and, and he talks about how like even in, in our healthcare system, we, we are like mechanized mm-hmm. and we are, um, we are like removed from life together because it's so like individualistic it's so dependent on these like rationalistic principles right but but he's like the invitation of god through christ is to life as wholeness like how to health to well-being um and i think you know to circle it back around prayer is that which enables us to long for and call upon that hope of wholeness Mm -hmm. like if prayer is a response to our sinfulness or our experience of oppression by sin and brokenness in this world, like then prayer enables our restoration to fullness of life. Mm. Um, it enables our like pursuit of health, um, health not just as like right bodily functioning, but health right. as participation in community, uh-huh. health as connection with God, health as like yeah relationship mm. with others and and belongingness like in the world in creation Mm. yeah i mean shalom means wholeness like the hebrew word for peace is is a word that actually means wholeness togetherness of person Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and persons Mm -hmm. um sabbath is not a solitary celebration we see that in God, Sabbathing. Mm-hmm. God cannot do anything as a solitary event. Um, it's almost like we need community. Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah. So then, if prayer is, if prayer is a vehicle for rest temporarily, whenever it is, like if you don't do a, a twenty-four hour Sabbath, um, that's not to say that you're never going to find that wholeness, that peace, you know, right, shalom. Sure. But when you pray, it's a little door into that. Mm-hmm. And you just go and yeah. you come out and yeah. hopefully you never leave. That's what right. Brother Lawrence is trying to get at yeah. when in the practice of the presence of God. Um, he says in one of his letters, he's like, I always want to, or he, he said he challenged himself to do a whole day um, with God on, on the on the mind, in his in his mind for mm. all of a whole day, mm. and he never said if he did it or not because he's brother Lawrence, and of course he's not going to say that because sure. he's the most humble person that has ever lived, second most humble person that has ever lived. Um, but yeah, I mean he he just talks about he prefaces that whole I've said this in so many episodes, but he prefaces that whole book or his friends prefaced the book because he died. He didn't write this book. They were all letters um, with this poem that has been now recapitulated and, and reworked. And we don't have his poem anymore, which is kind of sad to me. But um, this woman like wrote an approximation of it. It is uh, God of pots and pans and things make me a saint by making meals and cleaning up the dishes. Mm-hmm. And I think that like that's prayer and that's a rest that we're invited to. 
And that's a wholeness that um, is frankly expected of us. If we're going to do the with God thing, like we don't get to opt out of that. Um, because then if we are, then we're cheapening what's been done for us so that we can have access to this wholeness. If we're like, well, I want to give a little bit of me to this other thing over here, then why, what are you doing? Don't try to do the with God thing. Yeah. That might be a little harsh, but (laughs) I don't know. And And I'm bad at that. Well, I, I think, I think correct me if I'm wrong in summarizing your point here, but like God calls for our fullest attention. Mm -hmm. And scripture describes God as a jealous God. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that gets misconstrued into us thinking that God is angry with us Mm -hmm. or that God is like mad at us, you know, if we're not giving God our full attention all the time, a hundred percent. But no, it's like God knows that we have the ability to experience fullness of life and wholeness and beauty and true rest like that is good that is so good for us but we choose to settle for less than that like we we choose to make things more difficult for ourselves you know like we choose not to pray and we miss out on the chance to to experience that Hmm. like of course god would be sad about that you know not mad at us, but like, what are you doing? Come right, on, yeah. right? Because there's so much more mm. that we can tap into. Um, so much more that we're promised. So much more that like Christ enables us access to. Mm. Um. There's a. Can I read a poem? Yeah. <laughs> it's really good, and it uh, connects to a lot of the things we've talked about. Um, I sent this by a friend when I was talking about how I often have really high expectations for myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that that used to apply to um, my prayer life as well. Mm -hmm. Like for me, prayer was writing in my little journal like every day, Mm -hmm. you know, checking the box. Like I I prayed today. You know, I did the thing. I said the the thing. Um, Which it is that sometimes. It is. It is. And that was good. And I'm I'm so glad I had those like habits, right? Like the the rituals and the the discipline. Mm -hmm. Like even if my heart wasn't in it, I had I have the like time and space to pray. The frame of it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But like if that's all that prayer is, I think I think I was missing out on more, you know, a little bit. But I had these high expectations for myself that I would pray that way every day mm. or that I would read a certain amount of the Bible every day or that I would um, be good for God, I guess. And and I was sharing all this with a friend and she was like, you know, there's this really good poem <laughs> by Mary Oliver called mm. Wild Peace. Mm. And this is what it says. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. Mm. Hmm. 
I think that that poem gets at the 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 fact that like I think that poem is a prayer in the sense yeah. that it's showing us showing us the world through the eyes of God. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think we belong to the family of things and God offers the world um, to our imagination. Yeah. Like when we pray, when we are imagining a beautiful and just and good future, mm-hmm. when we are crying out to God with prayers of lament or petition or intercession, like all, all of that just demonstrates like the beauty and the beauty of the world mm. and, and our place in it. It reminds us that like we are not alone, mm. that we belong. Yeah. I, that line, um, the wild geese are returning home. Prayer, I feel like we've said prayer is a million <laughs> times this episode and I love it. Um, prayer is a return home. Yeah, yeah. Like if God is the ground of our being. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a return home to a place that we haven't yet realized that we've never left. Mm-hmm. We've thought yes. we've left. We have. And maybe sometimes it's really looked like we have. Yeah. But you can't leave. <laughs> I agree. I think this is where sometimes the exilic metaphor for the human experience can mm-hmm. fall a little short. And then I think we are we are longing for a heavenly home, right? Like we are longing for Eden. We're longing for this experience of the fullness of life with God. Yeah. Um, but to your point, God, if God is with us always, if God is the ground of our being, mm-hmm. then prayer enables us to return home. Yeah. Um, and, and we haven't ever really left, but even when we do, we can always come back. Yeah. It's Luke 15. It's the prodigal son, story of the prodigal son. Yeah. 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 Um, everyone needs to read, everyone in the whole entire (laughs) world needs to read the return of the prodigal son by Henry Nouwen. That book changed everything for me. Genuinely. Mm. That book and sounds funny in a in a way it it's interesting to put these two books in the same thought um the ruthless elimination of hurry <laughs> yeah and the return of the prodigal son both drastically shifted the way that i look at myself and god and the world and praying and inhabiting space and time james k smith would be proud <laughs> have you read his new book the one about death. How, no, the How to Inhabit Time. No, I haven't. Yeah, neither have I. I read a sample. I read like the first the first 10 pages. Mm, I just got, this is like, whatever. Let's finish. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was a great episode. This was so good. Uh, I, I love it. I feel like we touched on scripture and history and practice and idea ideas. And it was about like, the analogies of prayer yeah. like like what is prayer not just the words that we're saying but like what does it do uh-huh what does it mean like mm. what does it enact 
What does it bring about? Yeah, the title for this is for sure going to be the imagination of prayer. Yeah. So, or the prayerful imagination, mm. some spin on that. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you for thank you. chatting and hanging out and sharing your insights. And um, it was great. It was a good convo. Agreed. Thumbs up. All right. Thanks for listening. Um, this might be the last episode you hear. I'm probably going to add another like bonus thing. <laughs> um, I'll probably think of something else. And I'm like, oh, I should have done that. Um, but if not, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in um, all of these times. And uh, I'll, I'll see you later, I guess. Uh, pray. <laughs>